and welcome. Raise your inner game today. I'm David Levin. This is our Friday episode, so we're talking all things inner game. Tuesdays are for sports and sports parenting. Fridays are for everyone. And today we have a special guest with us, Michelle Thomas. Michelle is a marriage and family therapist, been working for over 15 years. She also has a podcast of her own, Women's Fire. Michelle, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we will start with ups and downs, what things were lifting us up this week, what things were pulling us down and making life harder. In the ups column, for me, first a small one, but we got our Christmas tree up this weekend. And it's lovely. It just makes me sort of happy seeing that in our living room. The other one, this is kind of funny, but there's a guy here in town I know. He's a bit older. We met pretty much when we got here, so like 12 years ago. I saw him at the gym the other day. And he asked me about my music. And he does this now and then when I see him. It's like, any new music coming? Uh, I think your stuff's really great. Don't know why I didn't get more famous. <laughs> stuff like that. And it's sort of silly, I suppose, but it does make me a little bit happy. It's fun to be reminded of my music career, fun to have someone like it, of course. Beyond that, it's just really nice to have someone give you a compliment, you know, and you really remember it. Years ago, uh, back when I was waiting tables, it was like 30 years ago. I still remember one day there was this older woman came up and said to me, you have such wonderful posture. <laughs> I laughed because I actually don't have great posture, but it didn't matter. I still remember that 30 years later. It's really something. And I think worth remembering too, words matter. People remember the things you say. You can really light up someone's day with a genuine compliment. So those are my ups for this week, our Christmas tree, and my friend asked me about my music. So Michelle, how about you? What made you happy this week? You know, mine is also um, holiday themed. We, my up is that we started our family activity advent calendar, which is something I started years ago. Um, I was a homeschool mom for a long time and a friend of mine did this with her children. So every day, um, there's a new activity, and the activity might be making snowflakes or having popcorn and hot chocolate with the movie or having a fire outside with marshmallows, something like that. And um, so as my kids have gotten older, it's definitely been modified over the years, and now they go to school. We're not homeschooling anymore, but um, it always reminds me of the crafty, fun uh, like homeschool mom side of myself, and everyone looks forward to it every year. So um, that was that's been a highlight this last week is getting to do all those, um, seeing all the excitement in the kids uh, when they find out what the activity is. Today was making cookies. So that's a great idea. We've had yeah. advent calendars off and on over the years, but I've never heard of an activity one. It's always you know a little piece of chocolate, or we had a couple of years where they had um, Lego advent calendars. Those mm -hmm. are pretty cool. But activity, that's really a nice idea. Yes. Well, we have all of those as well. And I'll get to that <laughs> later in this segment. All right. So that's the ups. Yep. Now uh, the downs. Um, for me, sort of sticking with my music theme, I guess. Um, and it was kind of surprising to me, but it was Christine McVie. I'm not even sure why. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of Fleetwood Mac. Oh, I did really love an album she did recently with Lindsey Buckingham. But now and then, you know, someone does pass and it hits you a little bit. And for some reason, hers did. It struck me as sort of sad. Not a big thing, but I noticed it. So that's mine. How about for you? All right. So my um, down is along the same lines of um, 
all the advent calendars and feeling like I'm not sure that I'm doing this right. Because as I mentioned, um, we have a Lego, right? Uh, my mom got my son a Harry Potter Lego advent calendar. I also had sewed some advent calendars for my kids a few years back with little pockets. And um, they also have a chocolate one where like there's a little chocolate every day from like a store, you know, that they have. So it's feels like it's gotten a little out of hand um, where the very first day of Advent, my two youngest kids, I have four children. Um, they are 5, 10, 13, and 15, or 15, almost 16. So um, the youngest two were up at 5.30 maybe on December 1st, just ready to tear into the chocolate to find out what was in their little pocket. And that is starting to feel like, have I overdone it? Because, you know, when they were little, it was kind of cute. Like they had a little chocolate thing and then they had the the family activities. But then um, I had wanted to, when I was growing up, I had a little advent calendar that my aunt made for me that I used every year. And I kind of wanted my kids to have something like that. So I made them these calendars. And then I'm like, what do I put in there? So then it's like, oh, you know, you're buying all these extra things for each of them. And and so now the, they do the whole round, right? Every morning is like first the chocolate, then they pick, you know, the pocket, and then they open the Harry Potter one, and then they find out what the activity is. And I'm like, this is feeling like a bit much, but also I don't think I can take anything away. And it just has me questioning, like, am I doing this right? This anticipation seems to be getting out of hand. They are tired because they're getting up early because they know there's like a treat for them. So I I feel like that's been a little that's just really been weighing on me with coupled with the fun of this Advent time is also the um, it, it's feeling a little overwhelming as well. <laughs> that's a hard one. Yeah. I mean, I totally get it. it yeah. It's super great. The intentions were great. And it'd be hard to dial that back. Right. Right. What do you take away? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, I can feel why that would be, you know, again, a little bit of kind of weighing on you a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Yes. Ups and downs. Next up, our inner game weather report. All right. Our inner game weather report. How's your inner game today? Your inner gravity. And what does the coming week look like? So, Michelle, we'll start with you. How are you doing, first of all, and how does your coming week look? Yeah. um, You know, when I was reflecting on this, I was thinking right now my inner game actually feels pretty good. I feel like I'm managing work really well. I'm really enjoying my work. I'm a therapist. Um, Even though this is kind of a hectic time of year for a lot of people and a lot of my clients, um, I feel like I'm helping them. So that always feels really good. Um, And also managing my family's busy schedule. Um, But I actually thrive sometimes with, um, you know, organizing, like if there's a lot to do and I I, um, plan ahead and things like that. So I find the more um, organized and intentional I am, the smoother my week goes. Um, We have a monthly calendar you know, like a regular calendar. And then we have like a weekly dry erase calendar. And I write everything for the week on there in different colors. And um, I like that kind of stuff. So um, 
I like to look ahead and kind of know what's coming, but I also just look at each day in that weekly calendar and just take it one activity at a time, right? So like, you know, before we were recording today, I had to take my daughter to the orthodontist. Before that, I had errands to run and that could seem like a really busy day, but I just, when I know that that's what's coming, then I can just plan that and each thing gets done and I can kind of be present for each. And so in this next week, um, we actually have two birthdays in our family. So four of our six birthdays are all in November and December. And so we have two birthdays this week, plus the last week of school before break. Um, And so there's little parties and secret Santas and stuff like that. So I really want to enjoy these things and be present for them. And so my goal is just to be planful and mindful of each event as it comes up and hopefully really enjoy it. I feel like I'm kind of on top of all that right now. Nice. That's a lot of stuff going on. It is. Yes. (laughs) So um, for me... Also pretty good. A little stressed out today, again, partly around this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Getting all the tech working, thinking about all that. Right. Um, I've also been sort of refocusing on uh, my diet lately just a little bit, so I'm feeling a little hungry. It's a hard time Which here. adds. Um, but it's not, a bit, it's not bad. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. And looking forward, also pretty good. I mean, uh, it's a little busy with the holidays, but nothing out of the ordinary. Last week was worse, so... Looking forward, nothing much I need to watch out for or adjust for. Nice. Nice. Good for us. Yeah, right. (laughs) So that's our weather report. And the question is now, how about you? How's your inner game today? How's your upcoming week look? It's good to keep a little attention on our inner game all the time so we're not always in reaction mode. So think about that, and we'll move on to our top stories. All right, top stories. My top story this week is the insane Trump terminate the Constitution comment. I'm honestly not sure what to say. On the one hand, it's arguably the most outrageous and dangerous thing he's ever said. He's actually saying we should ignore the Constitution so we can be put back in the office with the sworn duty, above all else, of protecting the Constitution. It just makes no sense and it's just more of his insane stream of bullshit. It's just constant bullshit from that guy. And I really do hate giving him more oxygen. But the danger is that the things he says, even if he doesn't really believe them or hasn't thought them through or doesn't and would never have the power to actually do them, is that his comments give permission to all the crazy people in the country who would like to try to suspend the Constitution and would argue that they have the right to do that. And January 6th was the perfect example. So on the one hand, I want to ignore him, but I just I don't think it's wise. I think we have to take this seriously and push every public official to take a stand on this. Do you swear to uphold the Constitution, and will you support someone who doesn't? For the Tolstoy rating on this, remember the Tolstoy quote, how does it serve humanity? Nothing Trump does is ever a positive on the Tolstoy scale. It's always good for him, in his mind at least, and bad for humanity, always. So how to rate this one? I want to say it's a one. I can't really take him seriously. He's such a joke of a person, but I think we have to take the comment seriously. So that's my top story. Michelle, over to you. How about you? What's on your mind this week? Oh, gosh. That, I mean, yeah. I I am a a little bit of a, um, I wouldn't say I'm a news junkie. I used to be more of a news junkie. I try to tone that down a little bit. But I do um, every morning read, you know, like headlines and see what that is. And that's definitely um, 
concerning. So I'm right there with you. Um, I chose the World Cup because that's kind of a big deal in our household right now. So we are, um, we, my husband, Chris and I, we did not grow up uh, playing soccer. Soccer wasn't even a sport in my little rural Wisconsin school. Um, and so this is all kind of new to us. Our, um, but we have two children who have been playing the last two or three years. And um, my husband is coaching my son's team. And so soccer's become a big part of our life, actually, for a good chunk of the year. And so this is our first World Cup. <laughs> I feel like we're being indoctrinated into um, into all that entails. And so we've been like recording games and watching games and going to local parties where they're, or, you know, like little gatherings where they're um, watching the game. And so as a mom and in my family, I'm feeling very um, like it's exciting and it's fun to have a team that you're rooting for. And, um, you know, the USA team made it past the first round and got eliminated in the second round, but that was all good. Um, And so that's really exciting. On the flip side, as like a therapist and just generally socially conscious person, I am concerned about the corruption and the human rights abuses and the fact that it's in Qatar and quite like very obviously um, FIFA was bought, you know, to host it there. And um, yeah, I I just wrestle with that, um, with I guess supporting that with my viewership and in in enjoying that, but also knowing that that's kind of playing out behind the scenes. And I would say, in general, in life, that's something that we all probably struggle with. That a lot of the things we, you know, there's plenty of things that we enjoy that come with some like social responsibility or um, or something like that. So um, that that's kind of big in our in our life uh, right now because it's happening right now, and it's my first time stepping into that and kind of learning about uh, the money and the power and the corruption and all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. First of all, it's a lot more fun than thinking about Trump, but <laughs> it does. It, it, it's a fraught kind of a question, isn't it? I mean, there's so many things, like you say, mm-hmm. like you, it, you can totally love it, especially like at your kid's level. Yep. Like as a, you don't really want to harsh their enjoyment of it by right. bringing up all the adult sort of concerns you have. Um, and they're there at the same time. And mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's a good one. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So those are our top stories this week. Next up, our quote of the week. All right, Michelle, I will give you the honor this week. Okay. Do you have a quote for us you'd like to share? I'm, I know you do. Yeah, I do. Um, so a quote that I read this week that I really like is um, it. It is. Celebrate your successes and failures. Both took great courage. And that was actually on a yogi tea tag, which um, I always enjoy <laughs> the wisdom um, passed on. But that really hit me when I read that. Um, it can be really difficult to remember that um, even failing takes courage because it's in the trying and the stepping outside of your comfort zone that that's the part that's courageous, no matter what the outcome. And it should be celebrated that you're, um, that you're, yeah, being courageous no matter what. So, yep, celebrate your successes and failures. Both took great courage. Yeah, I love that. I think, um, like, courage it might be the thing to celebrate more than any other. Yeah. You know, I don't remember who said this, but it was like, of all the traits or all, the, mm. there's some word I can't think of right now for things we aspire to, traits we aspire to. 
courage is the most important because, um, you know, like the other ones would be honesty and fairness and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, because without courage, none of those happen, you know. Right. Um, I think that's really true. And also, um, I like, how do I say this? I like normalizing that failure is okay. Yes. Because, again, we can really talk ourselves out of trying things just because we're afraid of that. And it's natural, right. of course, to fail. I mean, to be afraid of failing. Uh, I feel that. I want to say that's a pretty common theme in my dreams. There's some sort <laughs> of major mortifying failure I deal with pretty much every night during my dreams. So it's, it's built into us. Right. But uh, fear of failure, it's really the wrong thing to fear. If you're going to get anything done, just be happy or whatever, I think. So that's a great I one. Think, I think in general it would be nice if that was if there were more stories told about failure. Yeah. Right? Like we always hear the stories of the times that it worked out. Yeah. You know, someone invented something, someone um, yeah. did something great, and um, it'd be nice to to acknowledge, you know, yeah. things, times when it didn't work out, yeah. um, but the trying was really important. So. This isn't quite failure, but it reminds me of something else I've heard. Um, I think the topic was traveling, but it applies to other things, which is basically um, the times when things go bad are when you get stories. The only stories we tell, like at parties or with friends, are when something really terrible happened. You know, hopefully not like, you know, truly terrible, like, went to the yeah, hospital. Yeah. but even then, you, something went wrong, you went to the hospital. That's the story you tell. You don't tell the story about how everything went great and nothing really surprising happened. So even if it's just that's the level, you want something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we learn more from other people and we connect more over attempts and failures than we do. Yeah. We can't relate to all the people who've just been successful <laughs> yeah. their whole lives, which doesn't really exist anyway. Yeah. So. And it's, again, it's just... It's just at a pure story level. It's just not interesting. There's no, right. as a writer, right? There's always, well, what's the, what's the barrier? What's the struggle? What's the risk and all that? So if it's just like, well, I wanted to do this and I went and I did it and it was great. It's not a story. Right. We're not drawn to it. Anyway, we don't do these things cause, only because we want the stories. But right. one more reason right. to not fear it, I guess, because yep. you'll end up with stuff to talk about. All right. Beautiful. Thank you. All That's right. our quote this week. Celebrate your successes and failures. Both took great courage. All right, next up, raise your outer game. All right, raise your outer game, where we talk about the things we care about in our outer life, our health, our relationship, our finances. And this week, we're going to talk about family and parenting because we finally have an actual expert with us (laughs) to talk about it. So, Michelle, I will let you lead on this. What would you like to talk about this week? Right. So keeping with the holiday theme, because that's what we're dealing with um, this this month, for sure, is um, I thought I would hit on, um, you know, parenting can be really difficult this time of year. There's a lot of extra stuff in the schedule. Um, There's little parties or maybe there's concerts or programs or events, festivals. Solstice is coming up. I've already been invited to a solstice fire. We're thinking about hosting our own, like, you know, where there's just a lot going on. So I was thinking about, you know, it it can be hard to stay present and really enjoy these things if you feel like you're being rushed around and your kids are whiny and, you know, there's a lot of sugar this time of year and cookies and gingerbread houses and whatnot. So I thought it would be like, I think it's really important to keep boundaries and structure because that is actually what allows for fun 
in a family. Um, if if every if if there is if without the boundaries and the structure, then everything's kind of going haywire, and kids are eating at odd times. And like I said, there's probably more sugar than typically um, that that they would eat. Um, bedtimes are off. Like I said, my kids already are like getting up earlier than normal because they're excited about their Advent calendars and whatnot. So it's important for me, and I think you know, parenting in general to try to keep as much of a schedule on most days as you can so that there is some predictability. They still have to eat, you know, a a good breakfast and a good, you know, lunch and a good dinner. And um, um, because there might be, you know, an event going on that night or whatever, bedtimes are still important. You know, you know, you can be flexible within that, but there's still, you know, there needs to be some boundaries. And that actually, when you're scheduled, like that, then then it's fun to do the thing that, um, you know, your child is well rested and then it's fun to go to the um, event and they're pleasant or more pleasant there. If they've had a good dinner and not just hopped up on sugar, you know, their behavior might be better and they enjoy their time there more. And so it makes it probably less stressful for the parents as well. So that was um, the tip I wanted to offer up today is to to keep those schedules, keep those boundaries, and and enjoy all the things that go on this time of year. I love it. Um, the schedules, that whole sense of a daily rhythm or a weekly rhythm. I think I first heard that from Kim, John Payne, mm-hmm. and it's, I found it super, super helpful um, for exactly the reasons you say. I do wonder, though, um, for parents who don't have that already, I mean, I think that's kind of a foreign concept, actually, mm-hmm. to a lot of parents. Not so much, you know, Waldorf-free world parents. <laughs> But regular folks, because I, I know, for example, um, well, I just know of other families where um, they sort of normally eat at different times and go to bed at different times every night and all that kind of stuff. So um, if you have a family who maybe doesn't have those kind of rhythms in general yet, is there a particular thing you suggest to, just to start? Or maybe like even just during this holiday season, is there something specific they might try just to help them keep some sort of sense of you know, bearings during this time? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of just of starting that, you know, I think it's important that the parents lead, you know, that the parents are leading the schedule. And um, I've definitely heard a tip, I think it's a good one, that, you know, the parents should be up before the children so that they're kind of up and ready, or at least up and like tending to things before the children wake up. And, um, you know, I'm a fan of, yeah, setting an alarm clock if you have to and really deciding, like, what do you want? Because I would say if if you're a family without structure, and I suppose this depends. Now, when we were homeschooling, we did not have as rigid of a structure because we didn't have to be anywhere at any particular time. Um, We could kind of go with the flow, but we had rhythm to our day. Right. I mean, at some point, everyone has to be up. We are eating breakfast. We get dressed. We play. We have a snack or whatever. Like our our day days kind of rolled out. Um, Children's brains really need that. Um, Just for development, they need to have predictability. They need to have, um, you know, in the Waldorf, we might call like in in breath and out breath, you know, of um, kind of expansion and contraction that they're, you know, they're playing and running around, but then they do something quiet um, and take like some time to rest and whatnot. So in general, it's it your your whole family will will generally run a little more smoothly if the parents take 
uh, the leadership role of of providing some sort of rhythm for their children. And so, like I said, that can be setting an alarm. It can be, um, I used to write out, like, you know, we, we get up, we get breakfast, we get dressed, you know, play, have a snack or whatever, and kind of let the kids know where we are in our day. And in the time isn't as important as the rhythm, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, if your kids are going to school, you have to be there at a certain time. And it's just goes a lot easier if, if you, you know, if everyone's up and you have a rhythm to your morning and you're not rushing yeah, at yeah. the end. So Yeah, yeah. One of the things we've done, we've been really fortunate. We've been able to do this from the beginning, pretty much. And our kids are 14 and 18 now. Mm -hmm. Um, is just almost always having dinner together. And it's like you say, it's not always at the same time. That time varies, but we have dinner together 24 out of 25 times. And uh, it almost seems like, and that, that can be a hard thing for a lot of families, but it almost seems like if I were looking for a place to start, you could almost like tie it into the, it's almost like a holiday tradition. Like, okay, we have our advent calendars just during this time of year. Maybe during this time of year, we're going to have our dinners together, you know, if we don't normally do it. But that might be a nice little sort of routine to start, a tradition to start. But just that's been super helpful for us. And, of course, you hear it that it's helpful for everybody. But Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, to pick one thing that you're going to yeah. do regularly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something that's, you know, if it's doable. I mean, everybody's family schedule is different. It struck me you could do the same thing in the morning, but maybe that's even harder sometimes. <laughs> like to say, well, we're going to have breakfast together every day. If we don't normally do that, that might be too hard to pull off. Up to the individual family, I suppose. But anyway, back to the main point, some sort of rhythm. Again, I think I specifically remember Kim saying that, that one of the main benefits of a rhythm is that it allows you to deal with times when things are different. You know, you can go on a vacation and be totally out of whack with all your rhythms. You can be in the holidays, but you've always got something to come back to. Yeah. You can always get back. That's lovely. Great. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. So that's our outer game discussion for the week. Bring a little rhythm, or if you have some rhythm, maybe stay focused on your rhythm during these holiday times. All right, next up, Inner Game Gold. Inner Game Gold. These are the ideas, the concepts I come back to over and over to help me stay on track. And Michelle, people have been hearing a lot of me these past few weeks, so I would love to hear if you have something like this, some core idea that helps you, again, stay focused, be your better self. Yes, I would say um, it's something I actually use in my practice a lot and that I think just rings true for everybody. And that is that um, your narrative of any situation will affect how you feel about it and how you respond to it. And what I mean by narrative is really the story you're telling about what's happening. Um, this time of year, we've already talked about, you know, it can be busy, it can be hectic, and you could tell a story that is, oh my gosh, we're so busy, there's so much to do, everyone's out of control, and and kind of start panicking and feeling really overwhelmed. Or you could say, wow, how amazing. We Our kids go to a school where there's beautiful events going on. We have friends that are inviting us over for cookie exchanges. We have... Um, wonderful activities to go to. Um, our, we have families to spend time with. Um, and then that feels like um, maybe more your like gratitude for what all the abundance you have in your life. And, and the facts haven't changed. There's events going on. There's things to do. Um, you know, 
presents to get, cookies to make, whatever it is, but your story about what that means in your life is different and that that makes you feel differently. And the truth is that's true about your day, that's true about your week, that's true about your life. You know, obviously I work with a lot of people who have, um, you know, they're talking about their childhood and um, things that have happened in the past or things they're worrying about in the future. And those things are all true. They're totally valid. But what is the story you're telling about that? Is it, um, can you find compassion, grace? Did you not know enough back then, you know, something you know now that, you know, you can just change the story, like, you know, instead of being like shameful or feeling down on yourself because you made a choice that wasn't a good choice or whatever, you can retell that story, come up with a new story and just feel differently about it. So that's a a real guiding principle that I even use with my children, even my young children, like, like, oh, I wish we had this, like, okay, yeah, but also how amazing that we have that, you know, like, you can turn it to gratitude is yeah that's great question that comes to mind is uh it's probably easier to do in others especially in children yeah. where you feel the permission to say things like that to them right. um how do you use it uh with yourself how do you what, what what helps you recognize that you're telling a story that's not helpful and help you have the self-awareness to turn that around right yeah, I would say I'm when I'm feeling particularly like let's say I'm anxious about something. I mean, it's usually right like negative stories that we're that we're telling ourselves that aren't helpful that lead to anxiety or some sort of, you know, depression or um feeling upset about something, maybe you're angry, maybe you're frustrated, whatever. And so for me, it's important to to notice you know, that, okay, this is, I'm feeling this way, but also what is the story I'm telling about? I'm making assumptions usually about, um, you know, an incident that, you know, I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, like an interaction at the grocery store. You're like, oh, you know, you feel like offended or I don't know. Um, And so to, to realize what story you're telling, I'm telling a story that this person was rude to me or they're inconsiderate or, whatever, instead of, gosh, I have no idea what was going on for that person. Is there ever a time I've been short with somebody or impatient or of course, um, what other story can I tell? Can I give that person grace for having a bad day or, or, you know, saying something that I was like, don't they know this? Well, no, maybe they don't know that. Um, and so for me, I'm pretty good at, um, at noticing, you know, I, I guess first I notice what we would call in therapy the trigger, you know, like I'm having some sort of emotional reaction to something and then realizing, okay, what is this touching on? What is the story I'm telling about that? And and can there be a different story to tell? And, and that that option is anything, you know, you could spin, you know, whatever, whatever. And I think what's interesting about that is that there isn't um, – as much truth in our lives as we think there is, right? We, we really run our lives a lot on, on assumptions, on um, the, a story that we're telling, and then we're looking for things that fit into that story that we've already told about something, whether it be about like an institution or a person or whatever. And so 
once we start seeing life like that, like, oh, I'm just telling myself a bunch of stories about who my family is, who my parents are, what, who my partner is, you know, um, we realize, oh, we, we could actually just be telling a different story about these things and feel a lot better about it. Yeah, that's super great. It does strike me. It takes, like you say, you're, you're trained in this and uh, you do kind of get used to it, but it does take uh, a certain level of self-awareness um, to see yourself reacting a certain way and have that be a, a, a flag for you. Oh, you know, oh, I'm in that state right now. Yes. And then to have you go, okay, so what am I, what am I assuming about this? Um, also a certain amount of um, additional self-regulation because uh, depending on the story, uh, we can get attached to them. You know, it can, in, in, even though it's negative, uh, our, our actual state is probably objectively negative, um, it can feel good. We can be uh, attached to that feeling of righteousness and correctness and, you know, um, being aggrieved. I'm thinking of one. I think I'm, I'm not always good at this, but one does come to mind. It's almost more of a joke for us. But like you're driving along, somebody kind of blows through a stop sign in front of you. And of course, my first reaction is, what's wrong with you? But then I think, oh, they're probably just in a hurry or they just have to go to the bathroom. And. <laughs> So you'll plug in another story, the generic story, that's just for the fun of it. But it does release you from that reactive, sort of subconscious negativity, unconscious negative reaction. It's, it's a really great skill. Yeah, I will. That's a great example, actually, is driving, because um, depending on where you live, you know, I used to live in a city. It doesn't happen so much now that I live in a small town. But when I lived in a city, that it changed my life, my driving life, to decide I... I have to tell a different story about what is happening here with all the drivers and the merging and the exiting and the, you know, um, honking horns and, you know, bumper to bumper traffic that that's a really good place like to start. You know, if you're someone who, you know, that's because I think that's generally irritating to everybody, but could it be, oh, now I have time to listen to my podcast that I'm really enjoying or, um, you know, practice giving grace to other people who are having a bad day and, and how wonderful that I have some time to sit here in traffic or, you know, whatever it is that, um, that's like, that's a testing spot, I guess, where you could realize like, oh, okay, I don't have to be upset about this. I can just take a breath, tell a different story and enjoy it a little bit more. That's excellent. All right. That's our inner game gold for the week. Your narrative of any situation will determine your experience of it. So just start to be more aware of how you're reacting to things. And if you're not reacting in a way that you feel good about, just say, well, what assumptions am I making? What's my, what's the story I'm telling myself? And could I tell a better one? All right. Next up, our charging station challenge of the week. All right, our charging station challenge. So last week, we reflected on our thoughts and habits around money. It's a very interesting and important topic. I hope that was helpful. This week, I want you to basically do a daily check-in with yourself, just like the inner game weather report we did earlier, and I've been doing in all these episodes. It's probably best in the morning. Your life, your rhythm will tell you when that works best for you. But the idea is just take five minutes probably write in a journal of some kind. I do this on a pages doc on my Mac. And just check in. How am I doing this morning? How was yesterday? What's the day ahead look like? 
I do this pretty much every day and it's just really helpful. Again, just a quick check-in, look ahead at your day, as many days of the next seven you can. Uh, as always, I will post this in the Charging Station community. If you're not in the community yet, just click the link in the notes, register for the Metal Game Starter Kit. That gets you into the community. You can go straight to the challenge. It's one of the first things you see there when you log in. But that's it for the challenge this week. Just as much as you can this week, give yourself a few minutes in the morning to check in. How are going? How are things going? And how's the day look? Michelle, I was curious to ask you, do you do things like this personally? I think you might have mentioned it already. And uh, also, do you recommend this kind of thing uh, for the parents you work with? Yeah, um, I don't do it as regularly as I sh would probably should and would like to. I tend to, I would say, go to it in moments of stress, um, like as far as like journaling and reflecting. And then real, like if you were just to read my journal, be like, wow, what a tumultuous <laughs> place space this mental space this woman has um but it's because those are the times when I need to like sort those things out so I think um in and for my clients for sure I recommend um you know journaling and getting some stuff out there especially if you're ruminating about you know or worrying about like what's coming just kind of like you said list it all how did yesterday go what's happening today what's happening tomorrow um super super good skill I personally do not use it as much as I I probably should and you know that's just life like so many things yes. um, I kind of come and go with it too and, and the one distinction I make um is that and maybe that's because it's such a a short daily thing it makes it easier to do because it's daily but I don't re reflect too deep you know typically if you look at my stuff it's a paragraph it really is just sort of high level like I said how am I feeling right now how did things go yesterday? What do I think will happen today? I don't use it to go to a lot more deeper kind of reflection. I mean, I can sometimes. Some of them are longer. But that daily check-in uh, has its own sort of value. I guess I'd say, too, um, I guess the flip side of that, if I were encouraging people to do it, I would, I would want to separate those two things from them because the point of it is not to, you know, you only want to do it when you've got stuff to work through. The point is, just like I said earlier in the weather report, is it's just super helpful in general to build up this sort of extra little level of awareness. Not just how's my list going, how are the kids doing, what's, what's getting done, but how am I doing, you know? And when you're always putting a little attention on that, it just helps everything go more smoothly, I think. It helps you uh, stay more regulated, stay where you want to be, um, you know, kind of uh, preempt's not quite the right word, be ready for things as they come up. So that's kind of part of it for me, too, is just to kind of get you in the habit of paying a little bit of attention on a regular basis. I think, too, if you're doing it daily, then each one is not so, I don't want to say significant, but right, like as far as going into detail, if it's a regular practice, it doesn't have to be because you literally just wrote about um, today, yesterday, <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like you're, you're linking up these past, present, futures together and um, and you it's more about practice over time than just each individual check-in i would say that's exactly right yeah all right that is our charging station challenge again check into the community you don't have to do it in the community but it's always nice to do these things together and there'll be other people in there and you can kind of share your experiences and all that so i will see you there next up highly recommended All right, highly recommended. So this is just things I'm crazy about right now, books, shows, gadgets, 
things I love and recommend. So, Michelle, let's start with you again. Anything you're highly recommending this week? Yes. So there's a documentary on Netflix. It's called Stutz, and it is a documentary by Jonah Hill, the actor and comedian. Um, And he started therapy about five years ago. And he, the documentary is about his therapist. And it's, I mean, there's a lot of things that I find fascinating about it, but um, his therapist is really funny. He's kind of quirky. He has these tools that I had never heard. I actually hadn't heard of this man. Um, Philip Stutz is his name. And he um, has tools and teaches clients um, to help them live a happier, more fulfilling life. But it's also really about these two men in their relationship that has developed over time. And um, they talk about their grief, um, their depression, their childhood traumas together. And, you know, it's not very often that we see, especially two men, being really vulnerable about their um, life experiences and what's been really hard um, in their depression. And the tools are really interesting. I don't know enough about them to use them with my clients yet, but but there's some language in there and some... um, some he he calls them tools um that i think are just beneficial for everybody it it really you know he, he was his philosophy as a therapist is about um not just listening and like asking questions but really advising um and and offering tools and saying okay try this you don't like this here's you know between now and our next appointment do this which i'm a big fan of is about action um but it also is like really heartwarming and touching and um real and um i you know i think i mean i'm a therapist so i love that kind of stuff but it's really um for everybody and and it was really refreshing to see so that's my recommendation lovely stutz on netflix you say yep for me I want to talk about one of my favorite things, and I'm reminded of it every winter, which is the Upside Down Fire. I got this from Tim Ferriss, who got it from someone else, I don't remember. And I'll I'll link to his blog post about it in the show notes so you can get all the details. But the basic idea is, rather than the way we've always built fires, you know, you start with some kindling, you get a little fire going, then you add bigger and bigger pieces until you get the big fire you want. In this case, and that's why it's called this, you basically build it upside down. You put the big logs down first, then the medium-sized logs, then you put the kindling on top of that and some paper. I add some fire starter sticks on top of that. And that's it. You light it, you forget it, it burns all the way down every time. No adding logs, no tending it all the time. It's crazy, the difference of this thing. And I know that this is uh, another in uh, my long line of first world problems. (laughs) But when you have a fireplace, and it gets cold like it does here, you want to be able to have a fire now and then. And we literally could not do that before we learned about the upside down fire. For some reason, we always had trouble with fires. It'd get really smoky in the house, like all over the house. Uh, For days after, I couldn't even be in the living room because the sooty smell was so strong. We actually thought there was something wrong with our fireplace and chimney and had been, uh, you know, seriously thinking about replacing it with a gas insert. But now, all of that is gone. We have lovely fires whenever we want. It's so easy. You literally light it and forget it, and it burns beautifully for a couple of hours. Also burns super hot, so it's easy to clean up. It's just ash. Anyway, 
Super highly recommended. <laughs> Say this sounds life changing. It's incredible. <laughs> it's it's embarrassing to have it be so incredible, but it really really is. Now, one thing I'll say, just a little clarification. Um, we don't build fires as big as Tim talks about in the blog. He has like three full layers, and it was just too hot for us. We just used two, and the layers are basically the same size. Um, I think we probably use more, you know, kindling and paper and fire starter than he recommends. I think his fires are probably better for much bigger fireplaces or even outdoors, but the basic idea is still there, and you should be able to adapt it however you need. So anyway, that is uh, my highly recommended and our highly recommended. And that's it for today's episode. Michelle, thank you so much for co-hosting today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to have you. Tell people how to find your podcast and uh, how to get hold of you if, you know, if they want to do that. Sure. Um, so my podcast is called Women's Fire, as you mentioned, and um, it really is, speaking of fires, um, inspired by, um, I used to host Women's Fires at my house um, to really create community for women who um, are looking for that, who want to gather around in, like, sometimes it's just chit-chatting, sometimes we would, like, check in about what's going on in our lives, and um, I don't know, one day someone was like, I wish there was a podcast, I could like save some of these conversations. And then that just like planted a seed. So anyway, um, I started a podcast this fall. Uh, and you can you can go to WDRT.org is that's the station that I recorded at and go under podcasts and look for women's fire. But you can um, listen to it on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple. So um, it is available in most most of the platforms that are used. So you can just search for it wherever you like women's fire. Yeah, excellent. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks again for coming. It was great. Uh, so if you like what you heard, please tell your friends and rate and view on rate and review, sorry, on Apple Podcast and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Every positive review helps more people discover the show and get an inner game boost in their own life. Join us in the Charging Station community for even more inner game goodness. Links are in the show notes and at raiseyourinnergame.com. And finally, we'll close with Leo Tolstoy, remember his quote, the ultimate purpose in life is to serve humanity. That's what we're doing. It's super important. Keep up the good work. We'll see you next time. Thanks.